G'day, Triple M Homegrown music director Chris Holland taking care of this one, and it's a big one. Voyager have been riffing around for over 20 years, but it's the last two where this WA band have fired their shots towards global immortality. They set their sights on representing Australia at the Eurovision Song Contest in 2021. They were finally accepted into Australia's selection competition, narrowly came second with Dreamer. Some may say Rob, but that's all right. <laughs> Next year, the judges, uh, they didn't run a competition. They'd seen what they wanted and had Voyager enter the comp with this song. Promise me it's going to be all right. Promise won the second semi-final at Eurovision, ended up placing ninth in the final. A powerful effort. And now Voyager followed that up with a brand new and eighth studio album Fearless in Love from that this is a sample of Ultraviolet part of the lexicon across the globe forever this is the might of Voyager Danny Estrin welcome to Triple M's Homegrown thank you wow I should have hired you to write our autobiography (laughs) or biography or whatever that's uh, that's very well summed up well yeah it's a big focus on the last couple of years but it's amped up now, hasn't it's it? It's amped up, yeah. And it's it's kind of cool because we've sort of been doing, you know, doing the music thing for a while. I've got seven albums. And then, yeah, the last couple of years we've kind of, we've changed tracks a little bit and, and kind of been going on both tracks, on the Eurovision track and the sort of the, the, the original path. And um, it's so nice to see those worlds kind of collide and come together. And finally we have, you know, 162 million people who go, hey, who's this Voyager? Let's find out more about them. And what a time to release an eighth album. Like, it's just phenomenal. What's that number again? 162 million people. That's not yeah, it's bad. A lot. If you can get like 0.05% of that, that's still pretty good. Yeah. But like, you've had to earn that attention. You do. You <laughs> have to earn it. And you've got to convert it now. That's the hard part. It's got to convert uh, from, you know, people who just turn on the TV and go, oh, what's on? You know, yes, they, they view it, but are they going to listen to it? And are they going to come to shows? And are they going to be, you know, true fans? So that conversion we've seen already. Um, for, you know, but it just, it, it's about capturing the attention, I guess, of those 162 million people. And they're not all going to be Voyager fans. I can tell you that yeah, but that's yeah. okay. Yeah. You're showing them now. All right. This is what we do. Songs don't have to be three minutes. No, they're... no, they don't. Yeah. It's nice when they are three minutes. And I guess one of the things that we've done with this new album is we've kind of really honed in on the songwriting. Like we've been playful where we, where it suits the song rather than just going, all right, let's write a 15 minute prog song just because it's, that's what's prog, that's what prog bands do. We haven't needed to do that. You know, and the whole Eurovision experience, I think, has made us better songwriters, which is, um, yeah, for any musician is really important. Having the rule of this song has to be three minutes. This yeah. song has to get people's attention. It has yep. to be dynamic. It has to have memorable moments. It has to sound like us mm. in 180 seconds. Yes. If you put <laughs> it that, that way. Did did that song then just come real quickly to you? No, it didn't. It required polishing and polishing and polishing and having, you know, r- displaying who you are as personalities, as musicians and songwriters in three minutes is difficult. Uh, it really is. Um, but, you know, we came sixth in the jury vote. Um, and, you know, the jury is generally people from, from the music industry all around the world. Um, they... And, you know, if they like it, then there's obviously something in, in the songwriting. And that means a lot to us as composers and songwriters. You know, the fact that Eurovision, the Australian, the, um, Australian, the Eurovision Broadcasting Union uh, got us to, to write, you know, rewrite the theme for, for Eurovision um, uh, for their YouTube intro, uh, intros afterwards was a, was a phenomenal achievement as composers as well. So it shows that there is a songwriting prowess there. Um, and that just, uh, it just gives us confidence to go, yeah, we can, we can do, we can do the, 
the ten minute noodle medal, and we can also do the you know the three minute condensed song, and um, it's great. Yeah, that's amazing. I think one of the biggest things with Eurovision now is you have to be in touch with that kitsch. Uh, it's not all about you can't go in with like. We're a metal band and we're really serious. You can't, you can't. It's just not going to work because mm. the Eurovision's fun. Like it is quintessentially fun and that's what we do. You know, we take our music seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And we thought, well, we'll just ham it up, you know, like we really do. You know, we're wearing sparkling sequin and all this sort of crazy stuff. But at the same time, we were very true to ourselves. So I think if people are Voyager fans, they they listen to Dream and they listen to Promise. And I'm like, yeah, these are like poppier numbers, but it's still quintessentially Voyager. It's not like... Voyager have just gone and done a, a crazy R and B number just to get in into you know the charts or whatever. It's not it's not selling out to that degree. You know we've very much stayed true, and that's what you know that's the wonderful thing is that New Eurovision fans now have a back catalogue of seven albums and they go, wow, I like this, I like the sound of this, and what they're doing on the previous and the back catalogue and on the new album is not that vastly different in terms of the melodies. Yes, it's might maybe slightly more playful and, and slightly more musical, I guess, than condensed into a three minute performance. Yeah, that's having that back catalogue is that's. Perfect. Like, oh, it's in power. Essence, yeah, you'd rather have it Eurovision before the eighth album than the second because you've got all this stuff that they can fans can still dig and dig and dig and dig. Exactly. As long as they don't dig too deep, you know, some of the early stuff is <laughs> a, bit, a bit cringe. You know, we were a different band back there, but that's that's progress. And to me, that's progressive metal as well. And progressive music is that you're always developing. You know, you don't sound the same. Bands who do like the same album ten or twelve times, I I, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. I, I'd get bored very very quickly. So developing and, and, you know, progressing your music and discovering new influences is really important. Yeah. And talking about this catalog, this isn't the first time you've won or been credited with things like you guys have won song of the year at the whammies yeah, before, Yeah, all sorts of things. You've toured Europe we several have times before. Several times. Yeah. We've toured all around the world, we've done USA, Japan, Mexico, UK, Europe. it's just been, it's been a great sort of, it's been a great slow moving career that's always been sort of going upwards and, you know, it's been getting more and more successful, but I guess on a cult level, on a niche level, you know, metal itself is very niche and we're sort of a niche within that, that niche. And now finally, you know, you've got this massive exposure to all these people and that's, that's, uh, that's really important to any band because I think most people will kind of go, oh, metal, what does it sound like? Oh, it's a bit of this. It's like Duran Duran, but heavy. It's like, oh, I can't really explain it. People are like, nah, I'm not going to listen to that. Nah. Whereas now they're forced to kind of listen to it because of the, the exposure and they can decide whether they like it or not. And a lot of people seem to have liked it. That's, yeah. you know, sold out shows around Australia and we've already sold out, you know, a, a good chunk of our shows in Europe for our tour in October and um, in, in the UK as well. So yeah, it's looking up. It's looking yeah. pretty good. That's it. Did it feel like in that first kind of 18 years or however long, uh, was it, a, did it feel like a struggle or would you, have you guys been going comfortably through. No, it's always a struggle. It's always a struggle, especially being from Perth, especially being, being from Australia generally, but particularly from Perth, you know, anything you do is very expensive. Um, anything you do, especially when it's not, you know, not the norm. I mean, just getting over to Europe to do shows, you know, you've got 12 grand in just ticket, you know, airline tickets and you haven't even played a single note. Mm -hmm. So it's prohibitively expensive. You know, there's jet lag and all those logistics and all those other stuff that you've got to kind of deal with. You're not a band in Europe that just goes, oh, let's go to Slovenia for a festival for the day. They can do that. We can't do that. And so touring around Australia, I think has been, is difficult. And I think overseas bands, when they come here, they go, oh, Australian touring, it sounds fun, but it's actually grueling. Like it is actually, you know, you have airports every day, you're getting about two hours sleep. It's now it's lugging in, lugging out. Whereas, you know, in Europe and the US, when you're on a tour bus, um, which you can't really do in Australia, it's quite comfortable. You hop on, you hop off, you get your little home on the bus. It's nice. It's a, it's a vastly different touring experience. So that will, that will still continue. It will still continue. <laughs> and it just, I guess the hope is now that, that it, this becomes sort of, uh, sustainable, um, you know, and that's the hope for, for a lot of musicians and it is tough, you know, in the, in the music industry these days, you don't just have to be a musician. It's about content creation. It's about keeping people's attention. It's about, 
you know, music videos and things like that. So it's, uh, you know, it's, um, it, it's still, it's still a tough slog in many ways, um, even after Eurovision, but you know, we do it for the love and we love what we play. And, and, and now we can see that people, you know, on, on a, on a global level, they've embraced Voyager sound and it's just, it's so heartening to see. And so heartening to also be, you know, quintessentially an Australian band and be seen as, as such and representing the Australian heavy music scene. It's really cool. Yeah. That's not bad. One of the other things you've been doing, I saw you recently as a guest host on have you been paying attention that as well? Yeah. That's kind of something you've got to walk in with a smile on your face already. Like how, how tough was that? I'm fascinated. It was tough. It was tough because, um, I like the show a lot. I think, you know, we, we've done a lot of, but God, we, I've probably done about 600 interviews in the last couple of months. Um, but you know, some interviews when you don't really know who they are, it could be a big deal, but you're not a huge fan necessarily yourself. So you kind of take it with a grain of salt. Whereas if you're a huge fan of the show, like I was, I was like, Oh, I want to be, I want to impress these people. I want to be nice, you know, and I was just completely jet lagged as well. So, you know, I'd had Lachi Martini before and I thought I'll just go in and see what happens. <laughs> Lachi Martini. That just, was what was just, on offer. They offer that at Channel 10. It's just they there. certainly didn't. The hotel bar offered that. That oh. was the first thing in the menu. It's like, give me one of those. Yeah. <laughs> but then was that banter kind of, you know, nearly sledging? Was that? No, nah, it's great. Yeah. It's great. I love it. I love that banter. And that's why, um, you know, taking yourself not too seriously is really, really important in this industry. And I mean, look, I'm wearing a, wearing a, a blue sparkly sequin jacket, you know, how, how metal is that? I mean, may, maybe it is very metal. I don't know. It's probably more eighties metal than anything, but you know, doing these kinds of things, doing, you know, you do all these bizarre things, you know, I'm on the today show, you know, growling at Carl Stefanovic, you know, teaching him how to, how to do death metal growls. There's all kinds of things that, you know, you we got uh, a, a feature on um, in some paper about you know lifestyle and my you know all this all this stuff that you wouldn't really necessarily do that is very very far removed from music but it's still fun it's still cool to do and pe- if people are interested then that's all right yeah. I'm a reasonably interesting guy if people want to want to hear hear me out and read about me that's fine that's cool yeah roll with it yeah and and, and it gives again it gives it's that exposure you know it gives people an opportunity to go okay what is this band who is this and I've had so many messages um, just you know pop up over the last couple of months of people going, I don't like metal. I've never really considered myself a metal fan. I don't even think Voyager is metal, what I imagine metal is, you know. So uh, to, to be able to actually say, yes, I'm a fan of this music, even though I don't traditionally uh, identify as a, as, a, as a metal fan is really awesome because it shows that people are actually opening their ears and not being confined by this subgenre of metal. That's amazing. Because, yeah, there are a lot of subgenres. <laughs> For sure. So many. So many. And that's yeah. why I imagine it might be tough to find a place, especially in Australia. Yep. Like, yeah, do you have to fit into one? Are you allowed to cross over? Who welcomes you? Who, who puts does their it? hand up? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and it's been great, you know, um, yourselves included have welcomed us. You know, there's, there's, there's been doors that have been opened for us because of Eurovision. And then people go, oh, wow, they've actually taken notice. And go, this band's actually cool. I like the music. I like the, I like the vibe. It's actually melodic. It's, yeah, it's got... It's got one growl in the Eurovision song, but you know that doesn't put me off from uh, liking the the genre as a, a, a you know a, a, as a general genre of music. And the wonderful thing on this last Australian tour is that people were coming to our shows who had never been to a metal show. And, you know, metal shows is is a spectacle in itself because you know it's high energy, it's loud, there's lots of lights, it's you know it's 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 an experience. You feel it. And it's the same with Eurovision. In fact, I'd say that the metal shows are probably louder and, and there's more feeling than Eurovision because Eurovision actually has decibel levels when you're there watching it for the audience. So to see many people who have never been exposed to that come along and go, that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And I had such a great time and I've never been to a metal, let alone a rock show. That's cool. That's amazing. And they're doing that 
the voters clearly didn't do that with Germany's song, but they did it with yours. They didn't, and that was that was interesting. You know, I mean, the German broadcaster put a lot of money into that. You know, um, their their promo was was incredible. They're su- they're such nice guys, and you know, independently they're doing very well. I mean, they're on tour with Iron Maiden at the moment. Okay, but yeah, they're all right. You know, they're doing fine. They're doing fine. But you know, to show that really there were two bands in the same kind of genre, in this genre of metal, who were vastly different to each other and had a vastly different perception. So it wasn't like metal are, you know, this many points. It was, okay, this is just different. These are completely different styles of music, even though technically if you go to the, you know, the old CD stores, you'd still see it under the metal section. Yeah. Why? Why does it need to? It could just be heavy music, I guess. That's all right. So, yeah. Which section would uh, would the Finnish entry have been in? Is the same one? Oh, just, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't. It, it's same same sort of issue, right? It's like... Is it metal? Is it not? Is it dance? Probably dance metal, like maybe the next baby metal or something like that. Yeah. Like some, somewhere around there. Yeah. What is genre anyway? What is genre? But it's hard because we like classifications and we like being able to explain to a person it kind of sounds like this or it's, you know, but then it gets ridiculous. It's like, oh, this is, you know, pagan, uh, gothic thrash metal with a, with a you know, b- blackened uh, vocal. And you're like, what, what even is that? You know, you've got some <laughs> idea what it is. Just like, just listen to it. So that exposure is really, really important. That's why, you know, we rely on radio stations, we rely on media to actually just go, okay, we're going to give this a chance and actually play it, which has, you know, hasn't always been the case. Mm, that's awesome. You mentioned teaching Carl Stefanovic how to, how to growl. Yes. I've got a, a six-year-old son who's been very keen on learning how to growl now. So good. Absolutely so good. loves and, Voyager. And you know what? That's awesome. Cause then, and I, I really want to put on more kids shows because kid, the number of parents I've, I've had coming up to me going, my kid is obsessed with you guys, obsessed with the song. I don't know. Are we the wiggles of metal? Maybe not. I don't know. But, you know, it's, it's cool because it's, it shows that you know, if, if children are into it, then it's actually a sign of quality, I reckon, because kids, uh, they're, they're brutal. If they don't like something, they will be like, nah. Absolutely. The dinner table, first example, like if they don't like something, right? they tell you. They tell you, exactly. I did a, um, I did a little Q&A at a primary school in Perth uh, recently where I brought in the key, you know, the key tar and we all played the clip and, and I taught the kids how to do the, oh, and it was just so cool. You know, they were just absolutely loving it. So you could see the enthusiasm because it is theater at the end of the day. If they're entertained... Um, and you know, they were, they could ask some incredible questions, you know, we had 45 minutes, which is a lot for kids from like, you know, year three to year six. And they're like asking profound questions like, you know, how's Eurovision affected your family life back at home? So I was expecting a question like, why do you have a weird haircut or something like that? You know, but no, they went, they went full on. It was great. That's awesome. So gave me, gave me hope for our future. That's good. That's good. The six-year-old does uh, like to growl, and then, of course, mum yells out, Patrick, don't make those noises. Oh, uh, But, uh, but, but those there, noises are great. Is there a technique we can do to make sure he's growling and showing his energy whilst not sounding too, uh, too irritating? Too to demonic. The, to the oh, it's the irritating. Um, <laughs> you can't really internalize a growl, hey? So, I don't know, maybe find a, a, a quiet spot in the house somewhere, just go and put your head against the wall, just, just sort of... But that's the wonderful thing about metal. Like, it is cathartic. You know, you listen to heavy music, and... You know, rather than going destroying something, and I remember this in my teenage years, you know, rather than going out and, and being violent, you go and, and bang your head at a metal show or you bang your head in your, in your bedroom when you're listening to, I don't know, Slayer or Pantera or something like that. It's super cathartic. And I think we, are, we underestimate the value of, of that in our society. So heavy music is definitely a good place. Absolutely. Mm. That's, yeah. For the emotions, this is helping me. Why do you listen to that? The, yeah. yeah. And what it, comes- metal helped me through my teenage years. Probably, I don't know if it was the same with you, but there's a lot of emotions that are going on, a lot of hormonal changes. And you're like, okay, I'm just going to sit in my bedroom and listen to like typo negative on repeat. And it's just like, wow, this is giving me all sorts of feels, feels that I didn't really know about, feels that, you know, that are helping me get through whatever I'm getting through at the time. And, you, you know, you, you place so much emphasis on the lyrics, on, on the album and, 
And uh, yeah, it, it, it's just a wonderful musical experience that I think everyone should have. You know, it's, it's not for everyone, 100%. But once you've grown up with, I think, heavy music and heavy guitars, it's very difficult to go back and listen to anything other than that. Like, you know, I'm not saying other than that, but if, if, you, if you hear something that you go, oh, I, I wish I could hear that with like some heavy guitars underneath. You know, I hear that a lot with like drum and bass and a lot of like techno music and stuff. I'm like, that sounds good with some heavy like chunky guitars. Mm. You know, you, just, you you kind of miss that and becomes part of your part of your DNA. It's there's just something. There. There's something about it. Yes, it feels great. Well, this this whole thing feels great. So let's out. get back to the new album. Let's get back to the new album. Fearless it's, in love. Fearless in love. It's melodic. It's heavy. It's positive and melancholic at the same time. It's uplifting. It's uh, you know lyrically diverse. It's got the Eurovision bangers on there. Um, I think there's something in it for everyone, and that's the sort of feedback that I've heard so far is that people go. Oh, that's my favorite track. Oh, no, this is my favorite track. And when you've got so many people coming up to you saying that different songs are their favorite track, then you know you've got a good album because it's not just that's the song and the rest is garbage. The rest is filler. No, it's like, oh, today today my mood is twisted or the lamenting or, you know, dreamer or whatever it is. And that breadth of variety means that, yeah, I think we're onto something pretty special here. Yeah, interesting time in the world to have a song called Submarine. Yeah, look, uh, it, was, uh, it wasn't planned that way. <laughs> it was released before the recent events. So, yeah. yeah, it was awkward to play that live recently, but, you know. Oh, well. Uh, you, <laughs> just, you mentioned the, uh, the upliftingness, but also the melancholy yes. as well, something uh, ABBA were very famous for. Absolutely. Lincoln in the Eurovision. But how do you do that? How do you simultaneously have do you, all those feelings in there? Oh, it's a, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. you just got to write. I guess you just write music that's... Um, you know, lyrically, probably uh, lyrically quite introspective and, and emotional, deals with some some dark themes, but also have the music that kind of goes in between major and minor keys where you get that sense of of, uh, of hope, that sort of uplifting feel. And um, that's something that I think Voyage is very, very good at. Um, and also, you know, because as people, um, we are generally quite jovial and quite positive people, but, you know, you all have you all get a little bit sad sometimes. We do. <laughs> and, and you do. And, and if, you, if you can sort of grab onto that sadness and that melancholy and sort of bask in it for a little bit, and then sometimes you write the most beautiful music. And um, I guess that, that's what we do. So I don't think there's a formula to it per se, but I don't know, you just feel it and then write it and then people seem to like it. How good's that? How good is that? So may you continue to feel and may you continue to be a vessel for helping others feel that and do not stop on this journey that's suddenly shifted up a whole lot of gears and going full on. Going full on. And uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, I might still be, you know, a couple of decades, I might be 70 still doing this. And uh, remember that time we did Eurovision? That was a great time. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be it. By that stage, there'll be 60 countries in it. Exactly. Is that all going to happen? Is this, I don't know how much you've really got into what the Eurovision fan nerds talk about, but they're always like, Australia's going to have their own competition in Asia. There's always okay. There's a lot of there's a lot of speculation. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I would gladly see Eurovision spread its tentacles all around the world because it's a great event, and it's one of the one of the few events where you can just watch it with and just switch off for about four hours and just watch it with pure joy and and adoration. And yes, there's a lot of politics and all the chatter and like with any sort of sub subculture and whatever any any sort of event. But at the end of the day, who cares about the odds? Who cares about it? just enjoy it for what it is? And it's just a crazy spectacle of of kitsch, great songwriting, musicality, 
costumes and probably the best lighting show I have ever seen in my entire life. Mm. So it, there's nothing not to like about Eurovision. The lighting has always been exceptional. I went, uh, my wife and I went in 2009 to Moscow and at that stage. Wow. You're at, a true fan. At that stage. I'm I just impressed. doubted myself. Oh no. Um, they had two thirds of the world's LEDs yes. in the stadium. This is 14 years ago. Now they're just everywhere. Yeah. But that's how that's, intense the lights That's lighting. crazy. Yeah. I remember the, um, the, the head of production at the BBC who was responsible for essentially crafting the stage in Liverpool this year saying to me, when you guys went on that stage, I watched every rehearsal because the way that you guys used that stage was how we envisaged, envisaged it to be used. And that to me is such a huge compliment. Yeah. Like, and I just don't know, like, where can it go from here? You know, you, the, when the floor is LED, like where does, where is it? I can't wait to see Eurovision like 20, 2040 because it's just going to be like, what is it going to be? You know, is the whole stadium just going to be a big LED screen? It's going to be going to be crazy. I can't wait. They get bigger and better and everything. Bigger um, and better. Talk about rehearsals for Eurovision and the backstage stuff. Like how many times did you have to bloody perform that song? A lot of times. And yeah. I didn't get sick of it. And that was you one didn't. of the, That's yeah, no, that was one of the, one of the uh, great pieces of advice that someone gave me. I can't remember who it was, but I think it was a previous performer that said, write a song that you won't get sick of playing and singing. And we weren't sick of it at all. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of rehearsals. There's a lot of stuff that you've got to remember. And it's a vastly different, uh, performance than it is when you're doing a live show. You know, you're, you're playing to cameras, you're, you've got different cue points and stuff like that, which, you know, when it's live, it's like, I'll just do whatever I want. Um, you know, play the song obviously, but, but otherwise it's, you know, there's, there's no cues. There's no, I've got to jump out of the car at this stage. I've got to look at camera 35 on this cue. So it was a vastly different experience. And I think it just made us better performers and we think about performance more. So you think about not just a gig, but you think about making it a show. That kind of stuff is 35 cameras or whatever. Oh, crazy. what if you, what if your jacket was a pink instead of blue? Like all those kind of questions it's would, would drive me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The amount of planning that goes into three minutes of television. And again, most people just tune in, you know, right at the end. They don't watch the semis. They don't watch the pre-parties. And you know, people don't realize that there's like concerts with thousands of people in, you know, Madrid, Amsterdam, London that we did that had, you know, that were basically mini Eurovisions. You're doing PRs. You're and doing PRs and doing all this sort of stuff. And some people just go, oh, they'll tune in on the night. And I used to be one of those. And, and then now I'm, I'm deep in. I went in 2019 to Tel Aviv to nice. Eurovision. And it's like, now I'm just, now I'm a lifer and I'm, I'm, I'm deep into it. I don't think I can ever go back. Is that like, so when did you decide that Voyager could do it? Or not decide, but when did you? Well, when Australia, when Australia was announced to be in it, we're like, Okay. Well, Guy Sebastian did a really good job, I have to say. He did a fantastic job. His song was great and the performance was awesome. I was like, oh, we could do this. We could. And this is like the first time you're like, yeah, but it seems ridiculous at the time because we're a metal band from Perth and there's no way you're ever going to be on Eurovision. But then when Australia's in it, you're like, well, maybe, maybe. And then we kind of, you know, put it the hashtag Voyager for Eurovision as a, as a joke in 2015 and it just kind of got momentum. And people are like, you guys would be great at it because, you know, you're entertaining, you're, you're fun and your music's like super accessible. Um, so we just kept pushing and pushing. And God, if you told me 20 years ago that you, Voyager would be in Eurovision, I'd be like, this is absurd. You're, you're clearly insane. But, you know, here we are, 2023. It's, it's been a year, tell you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the middle of July. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's booked for the year. Yes, exa- yeah, I'm done for the, I'm done for the year. Uh, he's absolutely not. Uh, brand new album just out. You're going to have to work this a little bit harder, man. I'm sorry to say. Plenty more miles to push. We this do, album up. we do, and that's fine. We do, and this is this is an exciting time where you know we get to finally unleash what we've had in the vault for a long time. Um, and what a time to unleash album number eight. You know, we've got we've got listeners in the palm of palms of our hands, and so far so good. The reviews have been great, and um, yeah, might 
might pop down to the local record store and see if there's a there's a copy there waiting for me. Mm, that's it. I think that's good advice. We should all do it. Uh, thank you, Danny from Voyager. Uh, thanks for entertaining us and well done on the album. Thanks for joining us on Triple M's Homegrown. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.